Church of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Brett Jones is with us this morning. Brett's come down from Auckland uh, to share the message with us this morning. Brett will be preaching in just a few moments. Some of you will recognize Brett was here just a few weeks ago, it seems, not that long ago. Uh, but glad to have you back with us, Brett, and we anticipate all that God might have to speak to us through you this morning. The teaching text for this morning is from Luke chapter 13, and we'll be reading from verse 1 through 19. The reading will be two parts, so thanks to Alicia for helping with the scripture reading this morning. Luke chapter 13, verse 1. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around and I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. This is the word of God for the people of God. Well, thanks, Clint, for your welcome this morning. So good to be with you, and uh, so great to be here uh, on the day that yeah, Clint and Jamie are returning. We love you guys. We really value your friendship and, and your leadership, and uh, uh, so, glad, so good to hear that uh, God has been really faithful in this uh, extended time. And I might say that Clint is really valued as a, as a national leader in our movement, and uh, we spent the whole day together, our national council yesterday in Auckland, and, uh, and really appreciate his wisdom uh, and his leadership in that, in that uh, space as well. Not least modeling what it looks like for us to live within our limits uh, and uh, take a sabbatical, uh, which is something that, that we do, do uh, 
uh, encourage our pastors uh, to do. So it is good to be with you. I feel like I'm kind of on the preaching roster here now, uh, having, having been here just a, a few weeks ago, uh, but always enjoy coming. And isn't it good just to be able to get out and about and actually uh, mingle in a, in, a, in, a, in a stronger way, which uh, I'm really enjoying and getting around some of our churches. Well, you're probably wondering um, what this is all about. Uh, I do have a bit of a confession to make. Most of my messages start with confessions. Uh, I'm a very flawed person, but... Um, I'm, I'm honestly not much uh, of a gardener, um, and uh, if, you, if you have any doubts at all about, about that, you can, you can ask, ask my plants. Uh, this, this is one I brought with me. Um, I'm, not, I'm not much of a gardener, it has to be said. Um, if I was to describe my preferred gardening kind of way of going about it, I'm, I'm really kind of a, a set and forget um, sort of gardener. Can I have an amen on that? You know, it, yeah. I know there's some people that really get into it, but when it, when it comes to plants, I just really pref- prefer plants that have the self-respect to look after themselves. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at on it. But occasionally, very occasionally, I get excited about vegetation. I, I genuinely get excited. And so some years ago, uh, I decided to plant two of my favorite vegetables. Now, uh, if I was preaching this back in my home church, there would be like a, a, an indoor of breath that you have a list of favorite vegetables. And look, the truth is that the list of Brett's favorite vegetables is, is quite short. Um, well, and I could never be a vegetarian, right? I would, I would like literally starve. But, but there are two uh, vegetables that I really love. Uh, I love capsicums. And I love chilies. Uh, I love both of these. And, and on the outside, these are, these are similar. They're, they look similar. They're, they're related. Uh, but my experience of growing them was really quite different. In Luke 13, we have, we have two trees, two, two very different trees. But, but in the way Jesus speaks of them, they are related. Uh, the first of these, uh, a fig tree, uh, is looking uh, much like a tree uh, I would own. Uh, and when you look at its, its signs of life, uh, the, the prognosis is, is really not uh, that good. The other, a mustard tree, is, is the, the complete opposite. The signs of life with this tree are, are, are signs of growth and vigor and health. Now, I don't know about you, maybe it's just... It's just the terrible weather that I found when I got out of my hotel this morning, but compared to Auckland, which is, you know, like a tropical paradise, but (laughs) I don't know about you, but if I was going to pick a metaphor for life right now, it it would be a little bit more like this one. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's just the winter. It's been a tough season. Uh, and, And I don't know about you, but my vital signs are, are not all that I would hope they might be. There's a deep fatigue, I think, that many of us are, are feeling. Uh, and I guess we sense that we'll probably be okay, we'll probably get through it. Um, but can life just get back to normal? Please, please. And, and as we dig around in these two stories... One of the things I think comes out of them for us is that we discover that Jesus is not really that interested in normal. 
not, it's not really what he's about. And in these stories, we discover that there is renewal that's possible regardless uh, of the season. And, and it's something that's offered to all. Offered to all. And it's regardless of the season or our, our current state of, of fruitfulness, how, how limp your leaves are, or even if you've got any, no matter the signs of life, Jesus offers life. Would you just pray with me as we, as we settle into this, these scriptures? Lord God, we, um, we just come as we are. We don't really have much of a choice. Uh, God, we ask that you just strip away um, the sense of self-protection that we often carry with us, the sense of, uh, of, uh, of needing to hold it together, uh, the sense of having the answers. God, would you allow us to just come to you uh, bare, raw, just as we are? And as we spend time in your word, would you help us would you help us find life? Life between these two trees. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning we're going to start with the first tree uh, that we hear about, the fig tree. Now, fig trees actually get a rough deal in the Bible. Um, they're, they're accessories uh, to Adam and Eve's crime in Genesis 3. I mean, uh, literally their accessories, right? Uh, you, you know the story. Um, Jesus, Jesus curses uh, a fig tree in Mark 11, not a good day to be a fig tree. Uh, and and in, even in Revelation 6, you know, fig trees are kind of like uh, God's early warning system uh, for the end times. But mostly in the scriptures, fig trees are, are a sign of prosperity and a sign of, of well-being, uh, a sign of security, uh, along with, you know, the vine sitting in the vineyard, uh, this, this, to sit under your fruit-filled fig tree um, is this biblical picture of safety and well-being and security, signs of life, uh, if you like. And very often, as in this parable, the fig tree is symbolic of Israel itself. And so, uh, when, when the fig tree is, is fruiting and, and is full of life, it's a, it's a sign that, that the nation is, is in the same uh, kind of way, uh, physically uh, and spiritually. And so, some of the Jewish prophets speak warning to the nation. And when they do, they, they talk about empty you know, fig trees, fig trees that are, that are stripped bare and, and are fruitless. It, it's almost as if the fig tree is like a barometer of, of health for the nation, uh, taken away in times of disobedience and then flourishing in, in times uh, of restoration. Which brings us to this fig tree. And, and, it's, and it's not in a good place. But why does Jesus even go uh, to this fig tree parable? Well, there is a context, uh, and uh, Clint read about them. Uh, two recent tragedies have triggered some questions. The first of these is a, is a really uh, tragic act committed by an oppressive uh, government. Pilate's soldiers have killed some Galileans who've come to bring uh, a sacrifice of worship. We don't exactly know what has happened here, uh, but when, when the Scriptures talk about 
the, their, their blood being mixed with their sacrifice, it's, it's kind of euphemism that they got taken out during worship. This is not a pleasant moment at all. It's a really difficult, dark moment. And, and these kinds of moments, uh, these, these outbreaks uh, of violence, uh, were not uncommon as part of this tension of, of the nation living under an oppressive Roman rule, but also uh, with the complicating factor of, of kind of indigenous leadership that was also exercising rights uh, as, uh, as, as governors and so forth. So it's a very difficult political situation that has exploded uh, in this situation. So that's the first, a tra- tragic incident, uh, tragic act committed by an oppressive government. The second is a tragic accident, uh, which has killed, killed 18 people. The Tower of Siloam is, has just collapsed. And in both, in both cases, and you can imagine, you know, like the social media stuff that's, that's going on, right, you know, as to why it happened and what happened and who did it and who, what triggered it. You can imagine the questions. But really, the underlying question in both cases is this. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? And Jesus captures their conspiracy theories, if you like, in verse 3, when he puts it like this. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered uh, in this way? In other words, they, they had it coming, right? That somehow they deserved what happened to them. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? What, what kind of curse were they under had they brought on themselves that this should happen to them? Well, Jesus, as he often does, <laughs> doesn't answer that underlying question, who's to blame? He answers a different question. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't answer the blame question. Instead, the, the opportunity for, for political comment on the Roman Empire and, and on uh, Pilate as its vassal beca- becomes instead an opportunity for spiritual reflection. He, he passes up the opportunity for political comment and makes a spiritual reflection. And the opportunity for, for moral judgment on those people crushed by the building, because surely they must have been under a curse, right? They bought it on themselves. Instead, it becomes an opportunity for spiritual reflection. And so he says instead in verse 5, I tell you, no, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. It becomes an opportunity for spiritual reflection. In other words, the the tragedy reveals the, the fragility of life for us all. And rather than picking and choosing who's to blame, Jesus reveals repentance is the reality for all of us, whatever our situation. Now, repentance, as it, especially as it's framed here, and if, if you've got the NIV, the, the heading for this section is a little bit uh, dark. Um, you know, basically, repent or die. <laughs> Good message, Pastor. I mean, I mean, it can feel very judgmental and, ve- and, and quite harsh. But what we're actually supposed to grab here is repentance that leads to hope. That's what we're supposed 
to grab onto here, uh, not judgment. And to show this, Jesus tells the story of the fig tree. A man had a fig tree growing in his garden, in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? So the fig tree's not producing fruit, uh, which, which is its, its whole purpose. You've had one job, grow figs. What's more, it's actually, it's actually stealing nutrients from the other plants. It's one thing to be unfruitful yourself, but this fig tree's dragging the whole garden down. When I started my um, capsicum, capsicum growing experiment, uh, I don't think I realized how long it would take. Because I'm more of like a, a supermarket gardener. I don't, I don't need to explain that. How much patience would be needed? That it really, really uh, tested me, the daily watering. Literally, it has to be, I mean, some of you are going, of course it's daily bread. You soon learned, you know, the lesson if you didn't. You know, any more than a couple of days and, and the leaves would start to, to go limp and, and, and listless. And I also didn't realize you have, to, you have to deal with the insects that want to steal your produce. I needed to be, I needed to be vigilant and I, and I needed to deal uh, with the threats and I needed to deal with them. I needed to go hard and I needed to go early. <laughs> but even just like, I, I, I do appreciate it, you know. <laughs> but even just the sheer waiting, just the sheer patience uh, re required as, as, as it goes, I think I'm going to get this right, but the botanists in the crowd went, from, from flower to bud and, and then to fruit. And then for the green to go to red. But when? The beautiful, sweet red capsicums were ready. It was all worth it. It was worth the work. And it was worth the wait. See, you might not think that this fig tree is worth the work or worth the wait. You might think that you're not worth the work or worth the wait. But the reason for this story is to underline that you are that you are worth the work, you are worth the wait. Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Some things need to happen. Did you catch them? Some digging around the plant is needed. See, see, the dirt has become, has become baked dry. You think about the, the part of the world that we're talking about here, 
the surface of the water has become baked so hard that, that the water, any water that is getting there is just sliding off the surface. It's not penetrating uh, deep to the roots. Sometimes this is how it is for us. A hardness stops the water penetrating deep into our roots. And I wonder as we, as we gather here today whether, whether for some of you this is you. This feels like a, a, a time and a season of, of hardness, of hard-bakedness. Is this a moment where, where you need to just say yes? Yes to the one more year, the second chance. Allow God to break up the dirt. It's painful, granted, but it's worth it because you're worth the work. You're worth it. Second thing, maybe you captured this as well, some fertilizing uh, is needed. The kinds of nutrients that actually enable growth. Now, we, one of the things I think we need to be real about is uh, it doesn't really matter what kind of gardener you are, and I'm speaking metaphorically now, we're all adding stuff to our soil, right? Every day, we're adding stuff to our soil. Whether it's, whether it's a social media feed or, or a KFC feed, right? You're, you're adding stuff. You and I are adding stuff. Are there some things that maybe you need to stop adding to your soil? Stuff that's not helping grow? Some things that are actually damaging the plant. And then maybe there are some things that you need to work into the soil. Like, like time in Jesus' presence. <laughs> like, like the food of the scriptures. Now I think this is, a, this is a, why the rhythms of life that you have been really gathering around as a community this year are, are so critical for this part of our discipleship. The rhythms that uh, uh, to pray daily, to, to just spend time in Jesus' presence on a daily basis, to bless someone weekly, for, for us not to be just uh, a fruitless kind of people, uh, to notice God in Scripture daily, to allow the Word to really be worked deep into the soil, to, to rest weekly, to, to actually allow the natural rhythms of life to flourish in who we are. See, these are the kinds of, um, of rhythms that I had to embrace with my capsicum growing. And you are worth a lot more than vegetables. You are worth the work. You are worth the wait. But this is a story about repentance. It's about repentance. And our signs of life won't actually be visible if we avoid the work and waste the wait. And what does that look like for you? I'm going to just pause for just a moment for you to grab one of those thoughts. Are you in a hard place? Is that you right now? 
Or are you in a, a place where you're actually starving? <laughs> it's God that you need. Take a moment, just capture whatever God is, is putting into your heart. Well, the second tree is a, is a mustard tree. I, I bet you didn't know that um, mustard grows on trees. Uh, has anyone ever seen a mustard tree before? Uh, you still haven't. This is just a prop. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not, a, well, I can't lie. But, but mustard trees actually grow f- uh, from about two meters, you know, up to seven meters. And it's a surprise that they grow so big because the seeds are so small. This is the surprise. Uh, but but why, did, why did Jesus tell uh, the story about a mustard tree? And well, there's a context to this as well. And when, when, we, when we come to the end of the fig tree parable, we're left with this question ringing in our ears. It's like we've got to the end of the season, and, and, and what's going to happen is, that this question is, can the barren fig tree produce fruit, Right? That's the question that's left ringing in our ears. And before you know it, Jesus is answering, or or, uh, Luke is answering the question in what he tells us. Uh, The first is the story, uh, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and this woman who's been crippled by a spirit for 18 years arrives. And you've got to know, she's not really that welcome in this setting. Uh, she's She's a bit embarrassing. Um, she's somebody who's not readily uh, 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 welcomed into the community. Uh, she's bent over. She's, she's been unable to straighten for 18 uh, years. And when Jesus sees this woman who's, who's on the edge of this community, he calls her over. Like that alone is just mind-blowing if you're there in this situation. He calls her forward. And he says to a woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Puts his hands on her, and she straightens up. The woman is set free. I mean, she, she, she's like that drooping plant, living water coming into her life. She stands, she stands tall. And her response is to praise God. That's how she responds. 18 years she has suffered, waited for this moment where she's free to worship in the community and worship God in that place. She's so worth the work. She's so worth the wait. But there's another, there's another side to the encounter. See, the synagogue leader becomes angry because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath. I personally think he's annoyed that Jesus healed her at all, but what the scripture says is that he's annoyed because she's healed, he's healed her on the Sabbath. And so he says there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, but not on the Sabbath. So if any of you came for healing today, sorry, you're out of luck. Um, see, the synagogue leader is really telling a very different story. He's really saying this woman is not worth the work. She's not worth the wait. I suspect she might not even be worth the work on one of the other six days. Certainly 18 years of things staying the same would suggest that's true. She should wait. 
And behind this, this justification is a judgment about a woman. She's clearly cursed as a sinner. That's, that's why she's got this situation. She's, she's really reduced to, this, to a low-status outcast. She cannot really contribute to her community, and so she should be avoided. And it's into this scene that Jesus plants his second parable about a mustard tree, which grew from the smallest of seeds, that answers the question, can even a barren fig tree bear fruit again? What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. You see, there is no one so small, no one so small that they cannot be reborn into the kingdom. No one so small. No one so worthless and stripped bare and barren that they cannot be reborn into the kingdom. No one so stuck in their past that they, that they cannot be reborn into the kingdom. See, the heart of this parable is the, is the contrast between the very small and, and seemingly inconsequential and overlooked and the amazing thing that God does. There is no one, no one beyond who's not worth the work, who's not worth the wait. Now, I don't have much experience uh, with mustard seeds, but I do with chili seeds. Now, I know you're supposed to remove them, uh, you know, when you're cooking with them to be polite to guests. And sometimes I do, but, but, but they're small and they're, and they're fiddly. And my chili plant growing experiment was a great contrast to my capsicum growing. It didn't seem to take anywhere near as long, and my chili plant just exploded with chilies. Too many to count. Almost too many to eat. Almost. So prolific from such a small seed. I mean, you pick a capsicum, right? But you harvest chilies. See, there's no one so small that they cannot be reborn into the kingdom, that they cannot flourish in the way this mustard tree does. No one so small, not even us. But, see, the parable is not really complete uh, without the birds. See, this is not simply a, a parable of, of growth from small, even worthless things. It's a parable of shelter and shade, is, is what it really is. You might even argue that, that this is the point of the parable. It's a place where birds can nest. The kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that Jesus is proclaiming, is a place where you get to come home. You get to find a place of, of safety and security and, and flourishing, even an outcast woman. And Jesus spells it out. He spells out 
to, to the synagogue leader and those others who gathered there, you know, what he hints at in the story. You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath, Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this, the woman, this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? In other words, how can an animal be treated with more reverence on this sacred day, which amongst other things celebrates God's creation of all things? See, now, now, not on the other six days, now is the time for freedom. Now is the time to come home. Now is the time to come home to a place of safety and nurture and freedom. But also, now is the time for us, in our smallness, to offer places of safety and nurture and belonging. I, I don't know. I don't know where you are today. It's it's one of the privileges of coming into a congregation you don't know where people are at so i don't know i don't know where you're at today i don't know how how you are today you know what's happening on the inside i don't know what your what your signs of life are revealing but i do know jesus and i know that that faced with with intentional an accidental tragedy, he calls us to embrace the frailty of life, to embrace it. And we know this is true. We know that life is frail. We've experienced that. And we hope against hope that it will not come to us. And Jesus invites us to accept the frailty of life this winter season and to turn towards him. Because repentance seems like it might steal uh, who we are, but it actually offers who we are created to be right back to us. Repentance is, is not judgment. It's freedom. And it's freedom that we find between these, these trees. And, and for some of us, that will mean um, there is a need for the hard uh, places in our lives to be broken up so that the water uh, can reach can really reach the driest parts of our lives. And, and I did just slightly mislead you before. We, we were gathered um, praying this morning. I really felt that this part of the message ar around the hardness, that, that that was for somebody this morning. So I just, I just speak out what God revealed to me and you, you can take it. For some of that, I think it will mean allowing just that that nutrition of God's sustaining presence and, and His Word to be released in our lives, the rhythms of life that you are already practicing as a community, this is the opportunity to say yes to some of that. And for some of us, I think it will mean accepting, you know, that however small we might feel, however broken and damaged and thrown aside and we might feel, we are not so small that we are not welcome in God's kingdom. And there are people that you know like that for whom that is also true. And I suggest that for all of us, 
learning to be the body of Christ together in, in this uh, part of the nation. We need to take our place as branches that will offer a place of belonging and shade and shelter uh, to others. Because in the end, that is the enduring sign of life in us. Life so surrendered to God that others find a place of shelter alongside us. Because there's no one who is not worth the work or worth the wait. No one is too, who is too far gone or too broken or too small to live life in Jesus' kingdom. Between these two truths. Would you pray with me? Father God, we, um, we just long to have a, have a revelation of of your deep love for us, of the way in which you, uh, you're so with, want to be so with us and so for us. Lord, would you break through those hard places in our lives that, that are safer without the vulnerability, that feel safer without that, that feel safer keeping the brokenness on the down low. Lord, would you break through? Would you give us a revelation of your deep love for us? that you look at us with the eyes of a father that, that loves deeply and, and accepts without hesitation. And God, would you continue to work who you are and what you have for us into our lives? Would you call us to time with you and, and in your word and, and be shaped by, by the way our community uh, is impacting us? And, and God, would you call us to be a place of shelter? place where people can come home and find belonging and acceptance, where people can, can straighten up and no longer have to live under the burden of the past. Lord, this is your church. We ask that you would do this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. We hope this teaching has served you well and that you've sent something of God's voice speaking to you. If there's any way that we can help or pray for you, support you in any way, we'd love to be able to do that. You can find out our contact info on our website at thewellnz.org or flick us an email at support at thewellnz.org. God bless you. We look forward to hearing from you soon.